Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome back to the Elemental Evan Show. Thank you all so much for tuning in once again on this beautiful Wellness Wednesday, which is the day in which I release all of my episodes. Uh, so make sure you tune in on Wednesdays. Make your Wednesdays a Wellness Wednesday, but Wednesday by tuning into the show. And uh, for those of you who are continuing to tune in, thank you so much. I appreciate your continued support. And for those of you who are no- new to the show, welcome to the Elemental Evan Show. Uh, this episode specifically is going to be a continuation of the organ masterclass series that I've been doing. So uh, covering different vital organs, uh, mainly as well as other organs. Um, But today is definitely going to be a very vital organ. And that organ is actually the brain. So uh, obviously, we already know this is a very important part of our body, a very important organ. And today, I'm just going to go ahead and break down kind of what it is, um, the different parts of the brain and what they kind of do. Obviously, there's so much to the brain that really, I don't think I could personally cover it properly. um, But I'm going to nonetheless give you a really good idea of what's going on. And also, what are some of the issues facing the brain and what we can do to improve our brain health. Okay, I'm going to give you guys four different things that you can do to really improve the health of your brains. So uh, before we get into that, though, obviously, I always give you guys a weekly challenge, uh, something to do that's going to improve your health in some way or another. And today, since we're talking about the brain, you have to do something that is going to be benefiting the brain. So this week, make it a goal, maybe every single day, or at least one day out of this week to do something in which it's going to benefit your brain. Obviously, I'll discuss all these four different things that are going to be really good for your brain. So uh, at the end of the episode, when you hear them, you can go ahead and try to apply those into your week and give your brain some health benefits, basically, and uh, include some practices that are going to help it. So anyways, uh, also, by the way, guys, I am now filming these episodes and posting them on my YouTube channel at Elemental Evan. Uh, So if you are not already subscribed on there, feel free to subscribe so you can go ahead and watch these as well. And uh, for those of you Uh, who have listened for a long time. You guys know that I'm also a health coach. And if you are hearing about me through this podcast, that means you are serious about your health. And for me personally, that is the type of people that I really enjoy working with because I know that you're taking your health seriously already. And that means that we can really make some huge progress because realistically, you know, with all the health advice that I can give, it comes down to how you implement these health changes into your life. So if you are interested in, you know, improving your digestion, improving the health of your brain, um, losing a little bit of weight or, you know, improving your sleep, managing stress better, improving your meditation practice or including breath work, uh, which by the way, I am including a seven day reset uh, program as well as my breath work program into all of my health coaching programs for free. So if you're interested in that, please reach out to me by either an email or by Instagram uh, direct message and we can go ahead and get a free discovery call to see if we would be able to work on some of these uh, health goals of yours. So anyways, feel free to reach out to me on that. And since we are talking about mental or not mental health, I mean, we are talking about mental health, but specifically the health of our brain, um, I have to include the fact that I love taking lion's mane for my brain health. It's seriously my favorite supplement. I'm going to discuss it more in this uh, episode as Obviously, I continue on, Um, but essentially this mushroom, it's a functional mushroom or medicinal mushroom, whatever you want to call it, and it is 
the mushroom I take more than any other mushrooms, uh, specifically because of the benefits it has for the brain. So literally you can improve things like your memory and mental alertness. It can do things like help speed up recovery times of nerve injuries and even help to improve your mood. Um, this is something I try to take weekly, like I said, and uh, just to kind of keep my mind performing at its very best. And my favorite way of consuming it is always through Organifi's Pure Blend. So literally, if you are watching the video, it's one of these bad boys. That's what it looks like. And personally, it's my favorite way of doing it. I've done tinctures and all that. And, you know, they're fine because you can mix them in with things. But this is a really easy way of getting uh, some lion's mane into your daily intake. Um, and it tastes really good. It also has apple cider vinegar. So it's really good for digestion. So uh, this is definitely one of my aside from the red juice because I really like the red juice as well but I really like this one from Organifi because it really helps to improve my mental performance and make sure that um, I'm operating at my top level possible because obviously I have a lot of different things that are drawing my attention and my energy uh, so having a high performing brain is super important to me and that's why I love ingesting it through Organifi's Pure Blend. It's delicious and gets the job done. And honestly, the quality of the products are so good, all organic, third-party tested for glyphosate. Um, they really care about the products that they're putting out. So they're definitely putting out really high quality stuff and they actually care about the consumer, um, which is a lot to say for a company because there are a lot out there that are just concerned about the money. So anyways, really, really great brand. And for being a listener of this show, uh, you get 20% off uh, any purchase that you make through um, the link that I have posted in the show notes. So go ahead and click on there and get yourself some pure and make that your goal uh, for, you know, helping your brain out this week is uh, by including a little bit of lion's mane specifically from Organifi's Pure Blend into your daily practice. Alrighty guys, let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. So to start off these episodes, I always like to lead with kind of what this organ is, right? So for the brain specifically, and this is coming from the National Health Institute, uh, where I'm getting a lot of this information, uh, I will have some links posted as well to different sites that I uh, used for this podcast episode. But essentially, the brain is the most complex part of the human body. Um, I think we can all kind of agree on that to a degree. The human body is super complex and interesting, but the brain specifically has so much going on. Um, it's about a three-pound organ. It's the seat of intelligence, the interpreter of the senses, initiator of body movement, and controller of behavior. Lying in this bony shell and washed by protective fluid... The brain is roughly the consistency of warm butter. That's crazy. <laughs> when I was first hearing this, I could not believe that that was truly the consistency of our brain. If you think about it, our brain is so soft and vulnerable, which is obviously why it's in such a protective shell, being our skull, obviously. Um, and once again, that was taken from the NIH, um, that specific a uh, little piece right there. But yeah, that's really a good way to kind of sum up what the brain is. Obviously, most people have an idea of what the brain already looks like. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much what the brain does or is for the most part. Now, so go ahead and get this though. Your brain is mainly made up of cholesterol. 
So that was kind of crazy because, you know, this is the thing that you're always taught is like so bad and will lead to heart disease and clog up arteries. And uh, yet here it is making up most of our brain. So in fact, your brain actually contains about 20% of the total amount of cholesterol in the body. Now, why cholesterol is good or bad is going to be safe for a future episode, <laughs> a different podcast episode, but nonetheless, it's important for me to mention here because I think cholesterol has a very misconstrued um, idea about it when realistically it's extremely important and makes up a large proportion, uh, large portion of our brain. So um, yeah, like I said, I'll cover that in a future episode, but felt that it was still important to mention here. Um, now, the brain has what's called a cerebrum, which is the main part of the brain. It's kind of what looks like those squiggly pieces, you know, kind of all meshed together. Um, it's what you would think of if you think of a brain. Uh, and this cerebrum is divided into two parts. So you can literally see this if you look at the brain, um, excuse me, uh, but these two parts of the cerebrum are connected through a thick tract of nerve fibers, okay, right down at the base kind of. And, uh, yeah, so they're pretty much two mirror sides of each other, and it's just divided into two different parts. Now, while the two halves of the cerebrum look like mirror images of each other, they are actually pretty different in terms of the functions that they do. For example, the ability to form words mainly lies on the left hemisphere, while the right hemisphere mainly controls abstract reasoning skills. Uh, the brain is also connected to the opposite parts of the body, so the left hemisphere would control the right half of the body, while the right hemisphere would control the left half. Uh, you can think about this in terms of someone who has had a stroke, like a person who's had a stroke in the left hemisphere of the brain can actually experience paralysis in the right arm or the right leg, right, because there's that kind of opposite connection there. Um, the brain is also the energy hog of the body, consuming about 20% of the body's energy. Uh, this kind of makes sense, being that it's responsible for so many different functions in the body, and we literally could not function without it. But still, it's a very interesting piece of information to know that it's such an energy hog. And you know, this is why people who, for example, go to a very intense like chess tournament, they actually burn a ton of calories when they're playing chess because they're thinking so much and their brain is just consuming tons and tons of energy. Uh, so really interesting to think of it that way, because usually I think we think of, you know, energy consumption in terms of movement of the body, but uh, the brain is doing a ton of work and uses a lot of energy at that. So now let's get into what are the main functions of the brain. <clears throat> so to understand the functions of the brain, we first need to break it up into pieces because there's a lot of different pieces to the brain and uh, they all kind of do different things. So I'm going to cover a majority of them. I'm sure, actually, I know I'm leaving a few of them out, um, but I think I'm hitting the main ones here. So uh, for starters, we have the frontal lobes, which reside right behind uh, your forehead. And these are responsible for things like planning, uh, scheduling, imagining a future, uh, reasoning in an argument, and it allows uh, these actions to take place by acting as a short-term uh, storage site by allowing one idea to be kept in mind while other ideas are considered. Uh, pretty interesting, you know, like the brain is really such an intricate organ and what it does and even just hearing like that for example like the ability to keep one idea in mind while also considering other stuff is like so crazy and that's just governed by one part of the brain right 
Um, and then in the rear of these frontal lobes is a motor area, which controls, uh, helps to control voluntary movement while near the motor area on the left frontal lobe, okay, so now just on the left side, there's an area called the Broca's area. Sorry, I'm probably saying that wrong. B-R-O-C-A-S, apostrophe S, area which allows thoughts to be transformed into words. So that's just in the frontal lobes. Now, just behind the frontal lobes, you have the parietal lobes. The portion of these, or sorry, the front portion of these parietal lobes are the primary sensory areas which receive information about things like temperature, taste, touch, and movement from the rest of the body. The parietal lobes are also responsible for functions such as reading and arithmetic. Um, at the back end of the brain, you also then have the occipital lobe. Uh, occipital lobes. So we went frontal, parietal, and occipital. Uh, these lobes process images from the eyes and link that information with images stored in memory. Um, damaging the occipital lobes can actually cause blindness. So, you know, it's, I know I keep saying this, but it's truly just so incredible how each part of the brain, you know, is really specifically in charge of doing specific functions. And that's why when you see these like brain scans, you can kind of see what areas are firing up when you're doing different tasks. And uh, so anyways, the last lobes that we're going to cover are the uh, temporal lobes, which are located just below the parietal and the frontal lobes. These temporal lobes are responsible for receiving information from the ears. Uh, the underside of each temporal lobe plays a role in forming and retrieving memories, including those associated with music. So when you think back to that little uh, high school or middle school crush you had when you were doing the little dance, you know, um, that is because you are having the temporal lobes uh, bring back up that memory um, associated with the music you were listening to at that moment. And then uh, other parts of these lobes seem to be in, uh, seem to integrate memories and sensations of taste, sound, sight, and touch. Now, aside from these lobes, you also have a bunch of other pieces of the brain that are responsible for a load of other functions. Uh, I'm like you know, like I said earlier, I'm not going to cover all of them, <clears throat> but I will name a few of them. And the first one is called the medulla oblongata. Honestly, <laughs> I can't. Think of this term without thinking of Waterboy and Bobby Boucher. I don't know about you. Maybe that's just me. Um, but if you guys haven't already seen that movie, there's a part where Bobby Boucher is in class at a university and the teacher is asking um, about why alligators are so angry. And basically, Bobby Boucher says, because mama said that they have all those teeth and no toothbrush to uh, brush them with. Uh, and then he obviously says that's incorrect, but sorry, I digress. Sorry, you guys, but if you haven't seen Waterboy, go watch Waterboy. It's too funny. Uh, anyways, uh, the medulla oblongata is down at the bottom of the brain where the stem cord actually connects to the brain and is responsible for a lot of different things, primarily autonomic functions such as breathing, heart rate, blood pressure. Um, I talk a lot about these autonomic functions in uh, the episode on breath because your breathing is an autonomic function that you can actually control. Anyways, that's for another episode. Uh, so go ahead and listen to that one. And then funny enough, you know, in the movie uh, Waterboy, he's talking about how the medulla oblongata deals with anger and stuff, but that's not really so true. Uh, the medulla oblongata is basically doing all these other things like dealing with autonomic functions and not necessarily with anger. I think that was just kind of maybe 
misconstrued uh, information or just for that episode. I don't know. Or for the movie. Uh, anyways, moving on, you have the hypothalamus, which is about the size of a pearl. So very tiny and is responsible for quite a few different things. Like, for example, it helps you to wake up in the morning, get your adrenaline flowing, and is uh, known as the emotional center controlling the molecules that make you feel exhilarated, angry, or happy. Super, super important, um, you know, functions here uh, from this tiny little thing in our brain. Like I said, our brain has so many parts and it does incredible things. So I'm going to cover two more structures that are really, really interesting, and they actually have a lot to do with meditations. So uh, the first one we're gonna cover is the pineal gland, which is also referred to as the seat of the soul, or even uh, referred to as the third eye. So it's actually, um, supposedly it's derived its name from the pine cone because it has such a similar shape to it. And if you're into like, Joe Rogan podcast, or even if you've read, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, the, uh, becoming supernatural by, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He talks about this and, and the similarity between the two structures and how, uh, there's been a lot of imagery in the past where they have, you know, shown these pine cones and there might be a connection between the pineal, um, yeah, the pineal and the pine cone. But anyways, uh, that's for another topic. But the pineal gland is mainly responsible for receiving and conveying information about light and dark cycles from the environment in which it consequently produces and secretes melatonin and serotonin, which many people know melatonin as the sleep horm hormone, but it's actually much, much more than just a sleep hormone, uh, what we are coming to find out. There actually might be a little bit of a you know, causation as opposed to correlation here with uh, melatonin and sleep. So uh, melatonin, though, aside from being associated with sleep, is also known to do a slew of other things in the body, with one of them being that it helps out our mitochondria, which are literally the organelles in our cells that generate energy. But melatonin also helps to put the brain into a slower wavelength which is supposed to help you drop into deeper meditations. So essentially through the pineal gland, you are um, releasing this melatonin, which then puts you into these deeper wavelengths, which allow you to drop deeper into these meditations. Um, there's a lot of other things that it can do as well. Uh, melatonin can also actually be made into other metabolites with one of them actually being a hallucinogenic similar to DMT or uh, maybe even in the same family. Honestly, I'm, I'm not a chemist, so I'm not fully sure on the exact relation here uh, to DMT, but the, the metabolite uh, created through melatonin is called N-N-dimethyl-5-methotritryptamine. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, not a chemist, but either way, when people do these deep meditations, they can actually have uh, transcendental or outer out-of-body experiences that can likely be attributed uh, to this specific metabolite uh, derived from melatonin. So uh, really interesting, um, you know, as we do more and more research combining, you know, Western and Eastern philosophy and science together, um, it's really interesting to see kind of like, you know, 
putting putting the hard back to it, right? So uh, we, we know in theory that it works and now kind of figuring out why. So really interesting. And then the last structure we're going to cover is the pituitary gland. So uh, this gland is part of the endocrine system and is in charge of making several essential hormones. So in terms of meditation, the pituitary gland is able to produce two important chemicals, one being oxytocin, uh, which is known to produce elevated emotions such as love, forgiveness, compassion, joy, wholeness, and empathy. Uh, and the second is va uh, vas vasopressin, which is an anti-diuretic hormone which causes the body to re retain more water. So obviously, if you've heard of something that's a diuretic like coffee, um, that means that it makes you go to the restroom, it makes you go pee. Uh, so an anti-diuretic would make the body retain more water. So the reason this is associated with meditation is because it's meant to increase the frequency in the body and make the body a better conduit for these frequencies, right? Because obviously water is uh, able to to do that. It's allowing us to be more of a conduit. So, uh, and that is from um, the Becoming Supernatural book um, by Dr. Uh, Joe Dispenza. Incredible book if you haven't already read it, but go ahead and read it if you want to hear more on meditation and the connection to the brain and all that. It's really, really incredible. So now let's go ahead and just quickly kind of cover a lot of the main issues facing the brain. Um, I think that most of you are already going to know a lot of these because they're pretty common nowadays, which is really sad because, you know, brain, brain disease and brain problems are so tough. You know, I mean, it, it is one thing to, um, you know, have an issue with the body and not be able to use it or uh, have it function properly, but it's really a whole other thing to have the brain not functioning properly. You know, um, like I said earlier, a lot of people call it the seat of the soul, right? And uh, when people don't have their brain, even if their body's fully functioning, I mean, it's just, it's really disheartening. So um, I don't think I need to go too far into this. I think everyone can kind of agree on that. Um, but nonetheless, let's go ahead and cover some of them. So uh, a lot of these, you know, common diseases that we see nowadays in the brain are things like Alzheimer's disease, dementia, brain cancer, memory loss, epilepsy and seizure disorders, Parkinson's, uh, strokes, and, you know, obviously many others. Uh, but those are some of the really main ones. And uh, yeah, now, obviously, there's a lot of reasons for these diseases and disorders. But um, Basically, I just wanted to cover the main ones and kind of give some examples of how we can keep our brains in really just like tip top shape so that we can kind of avoid these hopefully. Um, obviously, I'm not a medical professional, so you know, any recommendations I give or anything, obviously feel free uh, or definitely talk to a medical provider uh, or your healthcare professional on them. But, uh, you know, these are some simple changes that can definitely lead to big benefits in the future, especially with brain health. So anyways, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in to the part everyone's probably been waiting for, which are the four different ways in which you can improve your brain health. So I'll be covering... Uh, all four of them, but starting with the very first one, and this is going to be huge. Uh, this is huge. Actually, all of these are good for just general health, but we're going to specifically explain why they're good for the brain. So number one, and this is one that's seriously so overlooked, is just our sleep. So when we sleep, our body goes through a bunch of vital processes, and one of those is the process of cleaning house, right? Like quote unquote cleaning house. Your body and more specifically your brain has, you know, think of like 
almost like a maintenance work done. So while you sleep, your brain is actually uh, being, in a way, it's washed, where your glymphatic system sends clean, fresh fluids to the brain and helps to get rid of the waste that has built up throughout the day. One of the things that is cleaned while you sleep is uh, amyloid plaque, which has been found to be associated with things such as Alzheimer's. So uh, already right there, that's a huge one, right? Like getting some sleep can help to clean off that plaque and help keep you from basically developing Alzheimer's. So definitely get your sleep. Uh, Sleep is also the time in which our brain is able to store memories and allows us to essentially learn more throughout the day. So yeah, if you're not sleeping properly, you're also not really storing the memories of the day and fully processing and understanding everything that has been happening, especially if you're developing a new skill or learning a new theory. Um, This is very key that we are getting proper sleep to store those memories and ideas and thoughts properly. Uh, Plus, have you ever experienced a headache uh, after a night of little to no sleep? Or maybe you can even feel that your brain is... uh, just kind of like running slower and unable to respond as you know fast as it normally would. Um, well, without proper sleep, our brains just basically do not stand a chance at performing at their best, and they're likely to run into diseases. So even though it sounds so basic and easy to just go get some good sleep, it's so key to really improving our health and operating at our top level. So if you are not getting, you know, a minimum of like six hours of sleep a night, then you definitely need to make some changes and increase that sleep. I would like to see that sleep at, you know, six, seven, eight hours of sleep, um, ideally, obviously. So that's the first one is sleep. It's super important. If you aren't doing that, then start doing better on your sleep. Uh, but then the second one would be exercise. And I'm not actually talking about exercise for the body at right at this moment in time, but rather exercise for your brain. So if you think about it, after school, most people hardly utilize their brain to understand new concepts or figure out difficult, um, you know, answers to difficult questions or really do anything to broaden the mind. They just kind of get into this rut of like living life in a very similar patterned way, right? And so you're not really thinking outside of the box at all. So we actually need to train the brain. Uh, We need to think of it as a muscle. And, you know, if you stop working out a muscle, what happens? It becomes weak, right? Well, the brain's going to do the same thing. If you stop learning or practicing things that you've learned, uh, then your brain's going to become weak and lazy because you're not putting that, you know, quote unquote, muscle to use, right? Uh, so it's the same same thing. We need to put our brain to use to keep it um, basically in good shape. You have to you have to use it, <laughs> or in a way you kind of lose it, right? So in fact, learning a new skill can increase the density of your brain's white matter and can stimulate neurons in the brain, which will form more neural pathways, allowing you to think faster and recall information quicker. This can even help stave off some of those nasty diseases like dementia, just from learning a new skill. So yes, absolutely, we need to start using our brains and learning you know, new things constantly. We need to be, in a way, kind of a forever student, right? Um, actually, one of my favorite ways personally, though, of stimulating my brain daily is to practice a second language, which for me is actually Spanish. And uh, I practice this daily with just a little app called Duolingo. Um, many of you have probably heard of it, but it's literally kind of the way I start my days. Um, 
I, I do meditations and I do a lot of other things as well in the morning. But one of those things is also just practicing a second language. And obviously, I primarily started learning this uh, because I enjoy speaking Spanish and I want to be able to communicate with, um, you know, certain members of my fiance's family better. And so, you know, there was a lot of other um motives and uh, as well with traveling down to South America for four and a half months, you know, it, it uh, obviously comes in benefit. But um, on top of that, you know, it's really nice to know that I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone, right? Like I have an enjoyment of speaking a second language, which is really awesome and opens up, you know, your whole world to a massive group of people. Uh, but it's also extremely good for your brain health. So uh, that's just one of the things I try to practice daily. Actually, I, I do practice it daily. I have a huge streak going on Duolingo. Follow me if you're on there. Um, and then uh, on top of that, though, learning a new language can develop new areas of your mind and strengthen the brain's ability or its natural ability to focus and process new information and can also help stave off dementia once again. So Yes, practicing a new language can literally help your mind in so many ways. It's great for the health of your mind. Now, number three is once again exercise, but this time now we're going to talk about it in the traditional sense of exercising the body. So the word exercise is actually derived from the Greek word exorisare. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably once again saying it wrong. Um, but that literally means to banish an evil spirit. So literally like an exorcism, right? And this is a really good way to actually think of exercising because when you move your body, you are exercising out all of the impurities and the bad stuff in your body because you are helping your lymphatic system to move the lymph fluid that can get stuck in your body. Um, you're helping it to move, which can help it to remove toxins because if it sits stagnant too long, it can build up with toxins. Um, so it's already right there, a super good thing to do uh, just for the body. But I think understanding where exercise came from is, is kind of a important part of the word and can help us better understand it. But in terms of the brain, um, exercise does things like increase blood flow, blood flow to the brain. It improves your memory's capacity and strength by increasing your levels of BDNF, which is brain-derived nootropic factor. Um, BDNF increases synaptogenesis. And I know I'm using all these huge words, um, but that means that it literally can form new synapses that mediate um, learning and memory, making it easier to absorb information and form long-term memories. So super, super important, this BDNF. You're going to hear it mentioned a couple times. Um, and it's you definitely want BDNF. You want it badly. Um, it's extremely great for the brain. Like I said, helps with long uh, forming long-term memories and absorbing information. And that's just a few of the things that it does. So exercise is also able to decrease the number of stress receptors in the hippocampus, which will help to minimize the effects of stress hormones on the brain, which decreases the impact of stressful experiences. So um, it's not actually able to lower the amount of stress hormones, but it will really uh, it will lower the amount of basically the receptors to receive those hormones. So makes the stressful situations not as stressful. And I actually think this is a main reason why people exercise. It's kind of almost a, uh, like a way, like it's an, it's an escape for some people, right? It's a way to, you know, kind of actually like, uh, 
it's very enjoyable for a lot of people. You know, it's like, it's, I know some people actually like dread going to the gym, but for a lot of people going to the gym, it's actually very therapeutic. And this might actually be one of the reasons why it's therapeutic. You know, it's, it's helping to de-stress in a lot of ways. And I know for myself personally, if I'm super stressed, one of the first things I do is either some really deep breathing or I go for a walk. And, uh, that just right there helps me to clear my head so well, um, better than, than most things and it might have something to do with this. So truly exercise is just an essential part of health uh, for your entire body. But I think it is really cool to see the effects of, you know, exercising the body in terms of benefiting the brain. Because once again, the body is connected. It's, it's a whole being, right? And that's why this is the Elemental Evan Show. We take all elements of health and we're not looking at just one thing specifically. The body is connected. And when you do one thing in one part of the body, it's going to do something in another part of the body. Whether you're doing something that's good or bad, it's going to have an effect on other parts of the body. This is very important for us to always remember. Now, the last thing I want to cover in terms of brain health and uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of you knew this was going to come already, but uh, this is your diet. So obviously, when it comes to our diet and health of our brains, um, honestly, what constitutes a healthy diet applies to the brain health as well. But if I have to really just narrow it down to uh, like a few couple things, for one, I would definitely say if you are to get rid of any food, and this is for the health of your entire body, but very specifically for your brain, it's going to be sugar. Getting rid of added sugar is going to be so beneficial for your brain health. Now, I'm not talking about sugar from fruits or honey or some very natural source, right? Like if you actually got a real piece of cane sugar, right? Like a um, like legit, it looks like bamboo. And if you were to just chew on that, that's much different than if you have, you know, that white powdery stuff that you add into, you know, your baked goods and stuff. So uh, the reason I'm saying that we need to lower our consumption of sugar, which is very specifically added sugar here, um, is because we need to consider that here in the US alone, we consume anywhere from 60 to 100 pounds of sugar in a year. Okay, and it's hard to deny at this point that it is wreaking havoc on our bodies. 60 to 100 pounds of sugar, that's insane. That is so much sugar per person. Um, we are definitely addicted to this, and it's something that we really do need to start weaning ourselves off of it, and it's going to have huge benefits for the brain if we do. Now, specifically in the brain, sugar can do things such as cause depression due to its ability to inhibit the production of serotonin in the body and impact the brain's ability to produce and utilize that serotonin over time. Sugar can also cause anxiety by messing with your blood glucose levels, making it feel like uh, like a sugar rush and a sugar crash, and this can provoke um, actual feelings of an anxiety attack. Plus, as your blood sugar levels crash, your brain will react by producing adrenaline, which can then truly produce anxiety. Uh, sugar also lowers the amount of BDNF, which we just explained is really, really important. Uh, because it plays a role in things like memory, like I said earlier, um, and our brain's ability to reduce anxiety, panic, and stress. So extremely, extremely important here. Uh, sugar also leads to cognitive decline. In fact, there was a study with over 5,000 participants over a decade where researchers found that people with high blood sugar had significantly faster rates of cognitive decline 
with those consuming you know, higher levels of sugar declining even faster. So the amount of sugar you were consuming was also linked to how quickly your cognition would decline. Um, people with type 2 diabetes are twice as likely to develop dementia. And uh, this also sheds light on why Alzheimer's disease is being referred to as type 3 diabetes. Really, really important stuff here. Um, you know, all of these diseases that we're really seeing, they're increasing in their, um, not popularity, but the amount that we see it, you know, and it's really something that we need to look at and understand that there's a reason these are becoming more and more common. And, uh, when you just look at the fact that our sugar consumption has increased so largely over, you know, the last hundred years, basically, um, probably even less, we need to look at the diseases that are increasing as well and kind of <laughs> look and see, okay, what is it that we're doing that is causing these things to happen? Uh, and so sugar is definitely one of those. So if I could give you any piece of food advice right now, it would absolutely be to lower or even completely halt your consumption of sugar. Even cutting it in half could make a huge difference for your health. Um, plus on top of that, there are so many alternative sweeteners out there right now. And I'm not talking about aspartame and Splenda, you know, these, um, uh, artificial sweeteners. I'm talking about real sweeteners <laughs> from plants, right? Um, and they actually really don't spike your glycemic index as badly, which makes it much healthier for you. Obviously using it in, um, smaller quantities is going to be a good idea. We want to help wean ourselves off of needing this uh, su extremely sweet sensation in our mouths all the time, right? We need to get to a point where you know we're okay with having you know a little bit of uh, a little bit of sweetness here and there, but not all the time. So uh, some of these are like monk fruit uh, sweetener and stevia. Those are two really popular ones. And honestly, like monk fruit sweetener, it's really hard to even tell the difference uh, between that and sugar. It's one of my favorites to use uh, if I'm going to use any kind of sweetener. So uh, definitely check those ones out. You know, they sell them on Amazon and at most health food stores and even at most just like stores in general now. So uh, give that a look. Now, um, in terms of herbs or supplements for the brain, uh, my favorite one by far is going to be, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, the medicinal mushroom lion's mane. So lion's mane is insane for one one reason uh, alone is that it can cross the blood-brain barrier, which not many things can actually do. It has two nootropic compounds called uh, iranicins and hericinones. Her <laughs> uh, once again, probably saying it wrong, but uh, these stimulate the growth of brain cells, also referred to as nerve growth factor, which affects memory and learning. So not only is it great for improving the memory, but it's also been shown to improve cognitive functioning, such as improve focus, and less brain, uh, brain fog. It's been shown to improve your mood and even alleviate feelings of depression, anxiety, and frustration. And it has been shown to speed up the recovery of nerve injuries and even reduce the size of stroke-related brain injuries when given immediately after a stroke. These are very powerful, powerful statements from a mushroom, <laughs> right? Um, and as you can see, this is absolutely why I love taking this mushroom as as much as possible. Um, I don't take it every single day, but I take it multiple times a week without a doubt. Um, it just does so much for the specifically the brain, but also the body that it, you'd be crazy to not be taking it. And like I said, medicinal mushrooms are one of the um, 
supplements, I guess you would call it, that I take more than any other supplement. I do take, you know, a fish oil and a vitamin C, uh, but realistically, that's pretty much all I take. And then the others would be the medicinal mushrooms. So, uh, yeah. Go ahead and check out Organifi. Personally, that's my favorite way of consuming it is their pure blend. You get the um, lion's mane in it. And then in their other juices, like their um, their gold juice, they put uh, reishi and turkey tail in there. So you get all these other kinds of medicinal mushrooms in there as well. Um, but the pure is incredible tasting and super good for the brain. So definitely check out Organifi. Like I said, 20% off if you go use that link uh, in the show notes. So now, um, in terms of food, I'm going to keep it really short here. I don't want to give you guys too many things. I've already covered a lot. I'm on number four here, but you know, there's little pieces in each one. And for food, I think I just wanted to keep it down to one that is uh, one that not a lot of people think about as being a brain food, and that is actually eggs. So yeah, I know eggs are kind of like... You wouldn't really expect that, but they're definitely really, really good for brain health, and they're literally full of all of the nutrients needed to create the life of, you know, if you're eating a chicken egg, then chickens, right? So it has all of these nutrients necessary for de uh, developing the brain and spinal cord of these chickens, which obviously can then be used by you. And once again, uh, yes, eggs do have cholesterol, but what is the brain made up of, right? Cholesterol. And, uh, you know, it has a lot of be beneficial nutrients in it as well, such as like choline, which is found in the egg yolk. Okay, not the egg white, but in the egg yolk, which uh, choline is associated with reducing inflammation and promoting brain function, like maintaining memory and communications between brain cells. Uh, eggs are also high in tryptophan, which is a building block of ser serotonin. Like we were explaining earlier, you know, sugar blocking the ability of the brain to use the serotonin, uh, and then that leading to anxiety and depression and things like that. So, uh, yes, eggs are absolutely a great food for the brain, and uh, they're something that I definitely I eat weekly, um, sometimes daily even. Uh, yeah, obviously you can go overboard on anything, but uh, I think eggs have really kind of been in this area where people are like not sure if they should eat a lot of it or a little bit or take out the yolk or not. But honestly, um, you know, check with your healthcare professional. But for me personally, I eat the whole egg and I eat, you know, multiple eggs uh, in a day and um, in a week, you know, maybe I'll go through like a carton of them. So Anyways, uh, eggs are a great brain food, even if they, you know, traditionally haven't really been thought of one as, you know, as such, but they definitely are. Um, so there's obviously, you know, a lot of other foods out there that are great for your brain health, but I'm just going to stop there and just kind of let you focus on the few things that I gave you. But I will say that if you are eating a diet that's rich in whole foods, so when I say a whole food, it means you know, if you look at that food, you can tell where it came from, like a apple. Okay, obviously, that came from an apple tree, or a steak that obviously came from a cow. Um, but if you look at an Oreo, <laughs> you do not know where the hell that came from. Um, it obviously is a random little cracker with a bunch of different components in it. And obviously, there's no Oreo bushes growing out there. So, um, focus on eating whole foods, that in itself is going to naturally be good for the health of your brain. And uh, yeah, and then just really kind of watching the sugars that you're eating and then the heavy carbohydrate foods, such as like white bread, because a slice of white bread actually ranks extremely high on the glycemic index. Uh, and yeah, that's basically it. So 
Uh, those are the four different things you can do to improve your brain health. And if you are down for the challenge, then go ahead and pick one of these and go ahead and do them this week. Um, maybe you can do all of them, but nonetheless, go ahead and try at least one of them. Maybe just do it once this week, or maybe do it multiple times this week and uh, see how it see how it improves your uh, your cognitive performance and the health of your brain. Um, they're very simple ones, you know, like going to bed, sleeping, you're going to do it anyways, might as well do it well, um, exercising both the brain and the body. Um, you will never regret that. You'll always leave it feeling so much better than when you first started it. And then cleaning up the diet. That's obviously huge. So Anyways, that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, please, it goes so far if you just leave a review on Apple Podcast. I read all the reviews, and it really helps this show to be discovered by other people. Uh, definitely share this episode with people who you feel would benefit from it. Uh, I do you know, episodes on all topics of health. Um, just specifically, this is you know one of the Oregon Masterclass series uh, episodes, but I do a bunch of other topics and, you know, the goal of this podcast for me is to really just share this information. Um, I'm a, uh, health food kind of like enthusiast. Um, I just, you know, I really enjoy reading, um, health books and learning about all these different, you know, ideas and, and new things in health and then practicing them on myself and sharing that information with all of you to hopefully give you the power to take control of your health and get back to a natural state of health, a natural state of being, uh, because I believe we are so far away from what that was. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Please leave a review. Please connect with me. Uh, follow me on Instagram. I'm pretty active on there, and that'd probably be the best way to connect with me. Subscribe on YouTube as well. Go ahead and check this video out on there as, uh, if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you all so much. If you haven't listened to this show before, then uh, this is the kind of like the motto of the show, and that is to do everything with good intentions and connect with your elements. Alrighty, y'all, that's going to do it. Thank you. Please tune in to next week's episode and peace. This podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. Evan Roberts is not a medical professional, and this podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Statements and views expressed on this show are not medical advice. This podcast, including Evan Roberts and any guests on this show, disclaims responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained in this episode. If you think you have a medical problem, please consult a medical professional. Thank you.